The ESPN San Antonio Audio Vault is powered by AA Best Bail Bonds. 210-225-2121. Or online at mybestbailbonds.com. Down for the count with Brandon Medina and Dan Cialana. It is Down for the Count, your ESPN San Antonio Wrestling Show. My name is Dangerous Dan Cialana and my usual tag team partner, Brandon Big Poppy Medina, unfortunately, very unfortunately, will not be able to join us for tonight's special Christmas edition. The dirt sheets say that Brandon has been sent back to the Performance Center for more training. I don't know if that's true, but I'm going to assume it's true because I saw it on the internet, and that's how wrestling journalism works these days. Kind of journalism in general, actually. But tonight, even without Brandon, we have a very special show. We are going to be regifting, yes, regifting some of our favorite interviews from 2020. Let's be honest, 2020 was a dumpster fire. The amount of money that I will spend in 2021 on alcohol and psychological counseling just to even be able to function at at a somewhat normal pre-2020 level after this year. Uh, it's going to be immense. A lot of money, a lot of booze, lots of therapy. But one thing that was great about this year in this dumpster fire year of 2020 was that pro wrestling never went away. When all the other sports packed up and went home, Wrestling, for better or for worse, stayed on our TV. And not only that, Brandon and I were blessed enough to be able to continue our show throughout this lockdown, throughout this pandemic, and also get a chance to interview some great wrestlers, some people that we absolutely fanboyed about. Uh, Both of us are just fans. Brandon and I are just wrestling fans. And just to have had this opportunity this year to meet so many wrestlers and to talk to people that we would never be able to talk to if we are not affiliated with ESPN San Antonio and this wrestling show. It it was amazing. And I know I speak for Brandon saying we're very thankful for everyone we got to talk to and also for ESPN San Antonio. So I want to bring you some of the, some of my favorites from this year, some of the great wrestlers we got to talk to this year. And I was super excited I was so excited and so nervous this year, right about October or so, just just a little bit before Hell in a Cell, a couple weeks before Hell in a Cell, to talk to the WWE champion, Drew McIntyre. How amazing was this? Drew McIntyre talked to us about the upcoming, at the time, the upcoming WWE draft and also his rivalry with Randy Orton and his upcoming match against Randy Orton at Hell in a Cell. So here it is, our interview from October of this year with WWE champion Drew McIntyre. Drew, how you doing today? Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Today is the WWE draft part one, and I am eligible to be drafted. So the WWE champion from Raw may end up on SmackDown tonight. I was going to ask you about that because I was like, is, is there a chance that Drew could be moved to to SmackDown. I kind of thought if you're the champion, you can go anywhere you want, but maybe they might send you to SmackDown to go lay the SmackDown over on uh, on Fox Network. But yeah, well, tonight everybody's eligible. 60 superstars are eligible in total, and tonight includes myself, the WWE champion, and Roman Reigns, the Universal champion. So 
who knows what's going to happen. We might end up switching shows. We might end up on the same show and after the unification title match. I don't know. It's going to get crazy. That's amazing. And, you know, something that's that's definitely amazing as well. You've been feuding with Randy Orton. And for some reason, for some reason, Drew, you agreed to get into hell in a cell with Randy Orton. Uh, do you have any idea what you're getting into with this crazy, like, sadistic Randy Orton in hell in a cell? Yeah, I mean, I don't look at it so much as, you know, I'm the crazy one. I look at it as Randy is the crazy one. Like, he knows what I'm capable of physically, you know, he's a bit sneaky. He likes to do things from behind, like Monday when he caught me with the RKO out of nowhere. I come straight ahead. I beat you straight ahead. There was a weapon there, as Randy knows, from the ambulance match. I'm going to use it on you. So inside hell in the cell, there's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. I'm not locked in there with Randy Orton. He's locked in there with Drew McIntyre, and I'm going to beat the crap out of him. So how do you prepare as a performer uh, in a wrestler to be in a match as potentially violent as Hell in a Cell? Because we've seen some crazy things inside that cell. How do you mentally and physically prepare to be locked in that cell? Uh, I think for myself, uh, you know, being Scottish gives me the upper hand where we just love fighting in any situation, generally in a bar. But I've also been doing uh, this line of work my entire life. So I was 15 years old. I'm 35 now. I worked so long to become WWE champion and I will do absolutely whatever it takes inside Hell in a Cell to keep that WWE championship, whatever it takes. If it means throwing Randy Orton off the top, I'll happily do it. So we'll be rooting for you October 25th for Hell in a Cell. And, and speaking of kind of having a, a long journey and, and, and hardship, I, I had a chance to watch your documentary on WWE Network, The Chosen One. And if anyone hasn't seen it, you, you gotta see this documentary on the WWE Network. I, I found it very, very inspiring. And it opens up with a scene from uh, WrestleMania weekend where you're in a parking lot and you're looking over the stadium that would have been your WrestleMania match. And obviously we know this has been a crazy year for everybody. Drew, how do you stay inspired and keep a good attitude in this year where everyone's lives seem to be going up and down? And again, it's the journey that's made me who I am. You know, a lot of things were expected of me when I was 24. Vincent Mann himself went on television and said, this guy is going to be the future of the company, future world champion. And I just wasn't ready. And I had to go through a lot of hardships uh, before I finally got the opportunity to become champion. And those hardships prepared me for any situation to lead a company. And it includes a global pandemic. You know, I was the man for the job. I'm glad that I experienced everything I experienced because I was ready and had a very different perspective. My perspective became, okay, I'm the man leading the charge and times are different. Like our job now is to take people's minds off these difficult times as they watch WWE television. And it became such a proud thing for me. And also regarding the documentary, I told my family, don't hold back, tell the full story, give all the details. Like during these times, I want to inspire people as much as possible and show them, you know, I wasn't always this really giant hairy Scotsman WWE champion that I am now. Things got difficult, and sometimes the night is always darkest before the dawn. And I think that's an important message during these times, and I'm glad WWE's did such a good job with my story. Now, Drew, uh, growing up in Scotland and being involved in the British wrestling scene, uh, what is, what, what's special about the British wrestling scene that you bring to the United States? Uh, the physicality, I'd say, is on another level. Um, you know, we're just born fighters. It's in our blood, especially... You know, the Scots in particular, Scots and Irish, the Celtic, uh, we're certainly fighters. And when it comes to passion, and uh, if you think about when WWE's in the UK and how crazy the fans get and they've got all their chants and things get rowdy and, you know, people look forward 
uh, to that UK tour so they can see what the fans are going to get up to. That's just every single week at a soccer match, at a rugby match. That's what the fans are like back home. They're genuinely passionate about their particular sport. And the WWE fans in the UK or wrestling fans in general in the UK are just so, so, so passionate. And it's kind of in our blood. You know, we have that passion. We have that fighting spirit. And uh, that's what makes us different and sometimes a little bit crazy. That's what I hear. So, uh, you know, speaking of crazy fans, I mean, obviously you guys have been performing without physical fans in the arena there. And now we have this this amazing looking Thunderdome on WWE TV, uh, but there's still not that in-person sort of reaction. There's no hugging. There's of fans. There's no slapping, you know, giving them five uh, fist bumps. Like, how do you keep that energy of the fan interaction when it's all digital at these days? I know they're all watching. Um, that's what keeps me going. That's what I do it for is the fans. The reason I am WWE champion is because of the fans getting behind me and believing in me. And I know they're checking out the show, you know, to escape. And that's what keeps me going. Like, I was proud of what we did in the Performance Center. I know we didn't have any fans there at all. It was very quiet. But I was very proud of what we did. It was okay. We're giving everyone escape, especially at the height of the pandemic. And we've evolved into the Thunderdome now, back in the arena, where we've got everything you expect from WWE with the lasers, the lights, the special entrances. I've got a really cool entrance. But most of all, the virtual fans. And seeing everybody's face, even if it's just virtually and hearing them in real time, makes such a difference to us and takes our energy to the next level. And we miss them. It's as simple as that. And if this is the best we can do right now, you know, to have them in the building, this is what we're going to do. WWE will continue to innovate and adapt, follow those CDC guidelines. And when it's possible, we're going to get our number one superstar back in the building. And that's the WWE fans. All right, WWE champion Drew McIntyre. We're looking forward to watching uh, tonight the draft, the first night of the draft on SmackDown and also Monday nights on Monday Night Raw. Drew McIntyre, it's it's been an honor to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us on ESPN San Antonio's Down for the Counts. Well, thank you very much for having me. Current Raw champion, Drew McIntyre. Who knows what's going to happen after tonight? Check it out. Fox 8 to 10 p.m. All right, thanks. Take care, Drew. Thank you, buddy. All right, that was our interview from October of this year with WWE champion Drew McIntyre. I was totally excited to be doing that interview. It was a lot of fun talking to him uh, right before the WWE draft and also uh, a couple weeks before his Hell in a Cell match with Randy Orton back in October. And tonight for this very special Christmas edition of Down for the Counts, we are regifting some of our favorite interviews from this very uh, unprecedented, strange year of 2020. Up next, we'll give you our interview with, uh, you know, I'm going to tease it a little bit. I'm going to tease it. I won't tell you who's coming up next, but I will say, excuse me. You have to pay attention. This is your wrestling show on 1250 ESPN San Antonio, 94.5 FM, and on the go at ESPNSA.com slash wrestling. This is Down for the Count. Down to the Count, your ESPN San Antonio wrestling show. I am Dangerous Dan Cialana, not with my regular tag team partner, Brandon Medina, tonight. Unfortunately, uh, he is in violation of the wellness policy of ESPN San Antonio. That's what I read on the dirt sheets, and that's the story I am sticking to. But nonetheless, 
you and I will still have fun with this special Christmas edition of Down for the Count. We're looking back at some of our favorite interviews from 2020 with our favorite wrestlers and wrestling personalities. We are re-gifting these interviews for you. For those of you who didn't hear them the first time or you want to hear them again. And something that was really exciting for both Brandon and I. A little bit intimidating, but also exciting for us this year. Uh, back in March was to talk to the one and only Vicky Guerrero. Oh my God, how exciting is that? Of course, the, the wife of the late and great Eddie Guerrero. And we talked to Vicky back in March. And at the time, she had... Uh, done a little bit of work with AEW, but was not officially on uh, the AEW staff or payroll, as it were. Uh, but she talked to us about her on and off again relationship with WWE, because at the time, WWE had just banned wrestlers from WWE from appearing on Vicky Guerrero's podcast. So we'll talk to her about that and also what it was like to see her friend Edge return at the Royal Rumble. This is our February February, March, I don't know. It's all blurred now. Is our interview with Vicky Guerrero. Excuse me right now and pay attention to Vicky Guerrero. Vicky, how you doing? Excuse me! Oh, oh I, I was a little scared of that. All right, Vicky. Now, Vicky, you are the queen of mean, Vicky. You, oh man, when I think of Vicky Guerrero, I think about heat Magnet. So let's just get right into it. What is the key to getting a lot of people to intensely hate you? Manipulation. Ooh, okay. Hey, what a great answer. Maybe some lying, cheating, yeah. and stealing, maybe? Does that help? Absolutely, yeah. I think oh, from watching Eddie for so many years, you know, right. it, just, uh, it grew on me and didn't think I would ever have to use it in my life, but it came in handy. <laughs> it does. You, you never know. You know what? I was just watching this morning. I was catching up on all, a lot of the old Eddie Guerrero stuff. And Eddie had a very intense rivalry with JBL, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And I, I know, I'm yeah, so happy for him. I saw this video where you guys were in El Paso for this house show, and it was supposed to be this beautiful <laughs> moment. Eddie brings you out and the daughters, and you're hugging and kissing. He brings his mama out. But then who comes out? JBL. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, and then his mom collapses. Vicky, man, this was intense to watch. What was going through your mind and the mind of your family members during this intense scene with JBL at this El Paso show? Well, you know, I think my girls were like, yeah, Dad, I'll go in the ring, whatever they wanted. They love the tension, but, you know, I was okay with it because I'd been in the ring before with Eddie, but, you know, his mom was very nervous, and uh, as it was, she was pissed off at JBL because, you know, they had a rivalry, you know, between him and Eddie. And so she didn't <laughs> like him in the first place, yeah. but I think he just riled her up so much that, you know, she did have a, you know, a minor heart attack and she, she was very nervous and, and angry and all these emotions mixed up. And, and, you know, JBL felt horrible, but at the same time, that was who he was. It, it worked out perfect. I mean, so to speak, <laughs> we were right. like, you did great, mom. Yes, awesome. <laughs> you almost died and right there. It was great perfect. Heart attack, mom. It was absolutely perfect. Yeah. Oh my god! And I and, watched. And the fans yeah. loved it. Yeah, they did. I think that, I think a lot of people were really scared. I, I looked in the audience, and man, people were legitimately frightened. I mean, it was a frightening scene. So, but yeah, it was such a great night that JBL needed a police escort out of <laughs> wow. Texas. 
and their follow-up and, match. You know, that's when our, yeah, that's when, you know, our connections with the police and, you know, the gangs and the cholos, we, it all came together. So. <laughs> you you got to have some cholos scared. on your side. got to have those connections. <laughs> hey, you got to use what you know, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Vicky, the follow-up match at No Way Out, oh my God, between JBL and, and Eddie, that was one of the most bloody matches yep. I have ever seen. And I know people say, oh, wrestling's fake, it's all that, but... That was real blood. So how do you get used to seeing your husband like that just busted open and bleeding all over the place? Well, you know, you just, um, uh, you know, these two guys always put their heart on the line and they truly loved each other so much. I mean, they were like brothers and they were very close. But when it came to being in the ring, you know, they were so professional and they really gave each other their 110%. And so, you know, to see them, you know, give these great matches and, you know, they did have a lot of scars at the end of the, at the end of the night, but I guess it's when I started looking at Eddie's butt more than his face. Cause it was cuter than all the scratches on his face. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. What a great one. No. Yeah. And so, um, you know, looking at it, I am uh, kind of the young one on the show. So I'm 23 going on 24. So when Eddie passed, I was, immensely affected obviously as like a huge wrestling fan um and it it took a hit not only for wrestling fans but the latino community in general so how can you speak on his impact on that and now we're seeing a huge global rise in latino wrestlers in wwe now today aew Mm -hmm. tna i mean everywhere on the independent circuit what was eddie's legacy and your family's legacy truly well you know it was it was such a sad ending because you know the last four years of eddie's life he really got his act together he got clean sober he got a second chance of being you know holding the title for wwe and it really meant this is like his chance to make himself you know count and do things the right way this time and um you know when he passed it was such an unexpected passing and um you know the latino world was just shocked you know we weren't it was just the last thing in my mind you know to even think about what could happen to eddie and i think that it's so great that the latinos in the wrestling the women you know, like thunder rosa and um you know the men i mean they're they're kind of now they're taking their heritage and they're using it to be exposed in this great industry of wrestling and i think it's so awesome that you know because back in the days you know with wcw and ecw you didn't hear about the latino following i mean you saw eddie and ray mysterio and so very few, you know, but unless you went to Mexico, you saw the Latinos. But I think it's awesome that the the heritage and the people are being represented. And I think it's great for the Latino people because now they have, you know, people to root for and to, you know, kind of live their legacy inside with the ring, you know, with these guys. Right. You know, in one of my one of my absolute favorite Vicky Guerrero moments and Anyone, you need to look this up on YouTube if you haven't seen it. I, I oh, know God. you remember this, Vicky. Well, there's a lot of great Vicky Guerrero YouTube stuff, but this was a particular beautiful, beautifully horrible night in Austin, Texas. It was Monday Night Raw. John Cena was in the ring, and you come out with Dolph Ziggler. And you had some things to say to John Cena, but every single time you put the microphone to your mouth, the crowd would boo you into oblivion. You tried it like five or six times. The crowd in Austin did not want Vicky Guerrero to talk. So what was going through your mind? Because, you know, you, you you got some things to say. You got to get through the lines, but the crowd is not letting you do it. What was going through your head? 
Well, you know what's horrible about that moment? I, I still think I can still put myself there in that in that special moment with John Cena is that you're, you're in a time constraint and you have so much to say and they're giving you, okay, I say this under three or four minutes. And, you know, of course, John had to put his twist into it and, and know that you could play with the crowd and get me more upset. Um, you know, but after a while, you know, you just kind of have to like give up. <laughs> you're just like, right. I'm not going to get this promo done. But it was such a fun night and, you know, I love John Cena so much. And even Dolph was like, you know, he didn't even know what to say to me. He's like, just try. (laughs) It's all you can do. And, and it was so, it was so frustrating because, you know, I kept thinking about the time, but then when we got a signal from outside the ring saying, just go with it, y'all just keep on going. Then I kind of relaxed a little bit and, you know, but I finally got to say what I wanted, but it was, those are the times that are just spontaneous and such a fun time that I had two guys in the ring that I just respect to the highest degree and to know that they were having fun too. That's what makes wrestling fun for the fans. Absolutely. And speaking of fans, I think the question all of us like to know uh, when we have amazing guests like yourself and you, I think, are such a special character because the heat you got as just an entertainer and a speaker and kind of the voice box for a lot of wrestlers. (laughs) What was there any crazy circumstances or anything crazy you can tell us about fan interactions that maybe you got for better or worse that maybe you remember from those days? Yeah, I mean, it was always the elderly ladies that hated me. You know, I don't know if it's because I was like the oldest, you know, I was the oldest woman in the ring, you know, and to attract these younger guys, you know, by the script, so to speak, um, they just really hated me. And, you know, the fans, you know, even to this day, they don't come up and talk to me because they think I'm going to yell at them. And I love it, especially at Comic-Cons, because I'll see them walk back and forth and I'll finally just yell at them. I'm like, are you going to talk to me or not? You know, and then I kind of break the ice and they come up and they're like, oh, my God, you're really nice. And you smile. I'm like, yeah, I'm not in the ring. I'm not being paid to be nice right now. <laughs> well, Vicky Guerrero, yeah, it's, it's you, go ahead. Oh, you were talking? Oh no, it's just it's a fun it's a fun interaction with the fans. All right, because you love hating people. You love people hating you. So you seem like a nice yeah. person, though. I don't know. I mean, I I think yeah, she's absolutely. nice. You probably got that. You know, uh, maybe you don't want to mess up with a Latina. I've learned that through my ex girlfriends. <laughs> Especially you know. here in San Antonio. All because... right, but now Vicky. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've never had the chance to make out with Edge. Maybe someday. Maybe someday Brandon and I will right, make maybe. out with Edge. So just in that's case. Brandon, I, that's kind of scary here. <laughs> we, we like to be prepared. So if Brandon or I ever get a chance to have Edge on our show and make out with Edge, uh, what is the secret of a good kissing session with Edge? Close your eyes and enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was planning to do. There we go. Write that down. Fair Close enough, your eyes down. and enjoy. Set calendar. Yeah, you guys might, might cause some bigger ratings than me if you guys want to make out with it. <laughs> yeah, you never know. We need all the followers we can get. I think it's great to see. I know, right? Whatever it takes. But no, Edge is just, gosh, I just owe so much to him for, you know, he's the one that started my career and taught me so many things. And to this day, I'm so grateful to see him back wrestling again and um, you know, just to, I'm so happy for his health and just, I mean, our friendship is everything to me. So I just, uh, I enjoy watching him. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of edge, you know, you have a lot of people who were there with you and Eddie who have since retired, but also still a lot of people who are there, including Ray. What is it like to see Ray and even Dominic, who's really grown up in that family, you know, that family. Yeah. Well, how is it to see them still doing well in the business? And do you still keep in touch with them? 
Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I'll see Ray at different events. Um, you know, and it's it's such a kind of pick up where we left off. I, I love his family. Angie, his wife, is just amazing. And the kids, you know, Dominic used to be like this little boy, and now he's like this young man, and he's taller than Ray, and we always joke about it, you know, like, you know, we, you know one day he's going to kick his dad's ass. <laughs> yep. It's just so funny, but I'm really proud, and I know that... Um, I know Eddie's really proud in having to see Dominic, you know, uh, following his dad's footsteps and to see the kids of these third and fourth generations. It's that's how the legacy continues. And to see these kids keep going at this, that's what makes me proud because it's in our blood and it's something we love to do. And um, I'm just excited to see, you know, what these kids are going to do in the near future. Absolutely. And when we speak of endless moments, we talk about how you had your moments. Eddie's had plenty of moments. And one moment in particular that I know I remember and fans my age and more remember is the 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 huge announcement that Dominic's custody battle would be through the SummerSlam ladder match with Rey Mysterio. How did the how did the families interact? What was the feeling behind this matchup? Because there was a lot of heat on both sides and fans were in love with this matchup. Till this day, we see this matchup on Twitter coming up all the time, asking yeah. questions about it. I mean, what was the family like at that point in time and how did you guys interact? You know, it's so funny because, you know, when, when we, I would talk to my aunts, you know, and they're very Hispanic, you know, old school, old fashioned. And my aunt would call me like, Mija, does Eddie still love you? Like, how could he do this to you? Like, I thought that you guys were, were in love with each other. And, and, oh, the poor girls, are they okay? You know, I'd have to work it. I'd be like, yes, yeah, I'm okay. You know, we're going through some hard times right now, but I'll make things right, you know. And it's just so funny because, the fa- you know, the family was really, you know, paying attention to these segments we were having on TV. And when they brought me and the girls in, the family was like, oh, my God, this is true. And I'm like, I know. I'm so pissed off at Eddie for doing this. Like, <laughs> for him to think of doing this, Jimmy, you know, but, you know, at the end, you know, we had to kind of tell him it was the storyline, but it was great. I mean, I love the attention. Everyone felt sorry for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vicki, you are definitely someone, yeah, you're definitely someone who was able to get a lot of heat, but, you know, to be honest, sometimes I'd watch some of your segments and some of the things the commentators would say about you or the fans would say about you were, I thought were even a little bit too, you know, a little bit too stiff, maybe, you know, making comments about your appearance and stuff like that. Did it ever get to a point Go where even though it's it, wrestling, it's, it, it's scary, though? It's, it's sad? It. No, I, okay. They called you Go fat. Ahead. Vicky, they called you fat, all right? And I don't, I, I was trying to be nice, but they called you fat. Did, did that ever, like, legit in real life hurt? Not when I was cashing the checks. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Bam. That's what I'm talking about. Bam. Now, Vicky, I'm, no, I'm, I mean. It's funny, guys. I mean, I was, you know, I never said no to anything. And um, I used to have a pretty thick skin, you know, for the character I played. But um, I was truly enjoying myself. And it was never work. It was just a fun day at the office. So um, you you do kind of think about things that people say. But at the end, you know, if the fans were loving it, then that's what they paid for. Now, Vicky, you're great at being a heel, which maybe leads right into you're now a podcaster. You have this brand new show called Excuse Me. And not only do you talk yes. about wrestling, but I saw that you're delving into politics. Is politics actually I, more dangerous than wrestling? Um, no, because that's my constitutional right to pick a side. I mean, I can't do that. You're right or wrong in politics. I mean, you know, and if people are going to think I'm wrong, well, then it's not the first time. <laughs> but I, I love bringing in different genres into my podcast, you know, from activists to celebrities to um, politicians and, of course, the, the wonderful world of wrestling. I love it. So it's just an, um, an opportunity for me to have everyone on my show and just highlight everyone for that one hour. 
All right, we just have a couple more minutes with you, Vicky. And something you talked about on your Excuse Me podcast recently is a little bit of a heat that you got into with WWE after appearing on AEW Dark. Now, is there an update there? <laughs> have you guys kind of mended fences, you and WWE these days? No. No, oh. no, they haven't called me. And, you know, it's, it, we kind of figured, you know, I, I never thought that they were going to, it was going to affect me, you know, because all I want to do was highlight the, the people on WWE. I mean, that's what the podcaster does, right? That's what you guys do is bring out everyone's best. And, you know, for them to have a sour, you know, um, you know, thought about me being on AEW, you know, they didn't call me for two years. And so, you know, you wait so long and, you know, I asked him to go back, which I said on my podcast, but, you know, when AEW called and said, you know, you want to do this? I'm like, absolutely, because it's work and I love what I do for work. And if they want to use me, well, then, you know, I'm under no contract and I thought it was the greatest night of my life and um, I look forward to doing more stuff for them, you know, so um, I guess they have their chance, you know, and, and they're not going to call if that's just how they are, but that's okay, you know. We move on, and um, I wish them the best, and I'm always grateful for them. But at the same time, if someone wants me to work, then that's where I'm going to go. Well, Vicky, here at Down for the Count, Brandon and I, we will never cut you off. We will never break your heart. <laughs> that's right. You are always welcome. You are always welcome here. Yeah. Vicky Guerrero, we will check you out on your Excuse Me podcast. Look for that podcast. You'll enjoy it. It's great. Vicky Guerrero, thank you so much for joining us on ESPN San Antonio. Thank you, Brendan and Dan. You guys are so much fun, and I wish you guys so much success, and I'm just honored to be on the show with y'all. All right, I hope you enjoyed us re-gifting our interview from last March with the one and only Vicky Guerrero. Uh, definitely someone who's a lot nicer on the phone than she is on TV, and uh, I hope to get to meet her in person sometime. Uh, once everything goes back to normal, once we're allowed to be in buildings with other persons, that'll be great. And, uh, Merry Christmas. I'm glad you're joining us tonight. This is your wrestling show, Down for the Count, on 1250 ESPN San Antonio, 94.5 FM, and on the go at ESPNSA.com. It is Down for the Count, your ESPN San Antonio wrestling show. I'm Dangerous Dan Cialana in singles competition tonight because my tag team partner, Brandon Big Poppy Medina, is not here. He's very upset because Jake the Snake Roberts pulled down his tights in front of everybody, and now he's a little bit embarrassed. we got to give the guy some time to rest and recover. I hope he's okay. But tonight on this very special Christmas Eve edition of Down for the Count, we are re-gifting Yes, re-gifting. Everybody loves that. Some of our favorite interviews with a lot of the great wrestlers and personalities we got to interview this year, this horrible but also kind of wonderful year of 2020. And someone that Brandon and I really had a lot of fun talking to is the WWE Hall of Famer Teddy Long. Teddy joined us back in October uh, because Teddy is now involved in a wrestling promotion called SWE Fury. And back in October here in San Antonio, they had a a wrestling show, a taping, and we got to talk to Teddy Long live on the air. It was a lot of fun. Here's our interview from October of this year with WWE Hall of Famer Teddy Long. Now, Teddy Long, this is Dan, and I got a question. I want to ask you about a rumor here, and remember that we're on radio here. We're on live radio, so <laughs> be careful, but... 
Can you please confirm the rumor of how you got your nickname, Teddy Long? <laughs> I don't know. I, I never heard of that rumor. That's my name, Teddy Long. That's not my <laughs> nickname. So I don't know. I don't. I, that rumor there, you need to tell me how you got that rumor. Because I, I heard that it was, it was not your given name, but it was a name that maybe an acquaintance of yours, a female uh, companion of yours, gave to you. Is that not true? Well, that- well you know, that, type, that might have been. That was probably my wife. You know what I mean? Yeah, she did give me that name back in the day. That's why we've been together over 30-some years. You know, and see, 30-some years mean Teddy Long, and the other thing is long time. <laughs> oh, That's a man. secret. Goodness. Yo, Teddy, this is Brandon. Let me let, let me holler at you, player, right? That's what we're talking about. We're talking to the legend here, and I grew up idolizing you. Me and my friends were just so just enthralled with everything, and at the number one question I always get whenever I talk to buddies and we watch old episodes of SmackDown or whatever is, why did everybody have to go one-on-one with The Undertaker? Well, that was kind of your punishment. If you didn't do what I want, you know, it's like in school, you know, I'm the principal. So if you give me a problem, then I'm going to give you a lashing. And that lashing was the undertaker. Now, Teddy Long, one of my favorite uh, memories of you and the undertaker, for some reason, he got mad at you and decided to kidnap you. And he puts you in the back of a limousine. So uh, what was it like filming those kind of crazy undertaker scenes? How do you keep a straight face? And what was it like working with the undertaker during those crazy times? Well, uh, you know, me and The Undertaker, we go way back. You know, uh, I managed him back in WCW before he ever became The Undertaker. It was me and Mark Callis. So me and Mark, we, you know, we, we got a lot of history there. And so when I came, you know, came into the WWE, he left WCW first before I did, and he went on up to WWE. And so when I came in, you know what I mean? I came in first, you know, being a referee. I started out that, then Vince that McMahon figured out, you know, what I could do, you know, for his talking. And then that's when I moved into being a manager, and then from that into general manager. But going back to answer your question, uh, you know, just – to, to reunite, you know, with, with Taker was absolutely fantastic. And he's a nice guy, nice guy to work with. I mean, one of the greatest, nicest guys in this business. And so to do stuff with him and basically that stuff that being the Undertaker did, Vince McMahon wrote all of that. And so, you know, you know, that's a lot of pressure, man. You can't be messing around. You got, you know, when the boss writes something, you got to get that done. So, uh, you know, I just enjoyed it, man. You know, I just had a great time and just was so happy just to be in the position that I was in, you know, working with The Undertaker and me and The Undertaker at CM Punk, which was a big part of that, too. You know, we, you know, you know, doing what the what the big boss man wants. So, you know, it was just an honor for me. And, man, I was just happy to be there. Now, Teddy, obviously you've had an illustrious career, Hall of Famer, of course. When you look back at it, you are absolutely the the number one face when you think about GMs. Obviously, you have Vince McMahon, of course, but you look at GMs specifically. Everybody remembers you. Your character lives on forever. Um, and, you know, when you look back at your career, what are you most proud of after that many years in the business? I'm, I'm most proud of, of being still alive. That's number one. And the other thing that I'm proud of is that I'm able to be a part of this great organization, SWE, 
Uh, it was something, you know, that, you know, I hadn't even really thought about it because after I came home for a while, you know, I had been on the road over 20-some years. And, man, after I came home and I stayed home for about two, three months, I mean, I, I finally realized what it meant to be home for a while. I didn't want to go nowhere, so I just wanted to do what I do right now, you know, just go to the gym, enjoy my life, go and do personal appearances, do comic cons or whatever, you know, and just have a good rest of my lifetime. But, you know, just, I guess, you know how God works. So he put me in touch with these people at SWE. And uh, so I'm just glad to be a part of that. I'm, you know, at, you know, at my age, I'm still around, I'm still able to do my thing and I'm, and people are still, you know, will accept me, you know, to let me entertain them. And that's what I'm proud of. Yeah, absolutely. Completely understand that. And, you know, we're, we're happy to have you still working in the business. And when you talk about SWE, you know, bringing in some new talent and giving the opportunity for new talent to arrive and thrive, uh, what is some of the advice you'd give to somebody out there listening right now in ESPN San Antonio that wants to be uh, part of the limelight and be a wrestler or be a referee or go into announcing? What is that advice from Teddy Long? Well, my advice to you is to uh, make sure this is what you really want to do. You know, a lot of times, uh, a lot of guys and girls, you know, they, they see this on TV and they're like, oh, God, that's great. That's great. That's what I want to do. And then sometimes when they come to the training center and they step into that ring and they start taking bumps and they see, you know, oh, wait a minute, you know, that hurt, you know. So, you know, sometimes that, you know, throws them off where they said, oh, I thought this was, you know, fake and I, didn't want, I don't want to do this. I'll get hurt. So then that's the person that you need to step on out. But when you step in there and you get hurt, you take it like a man or you take it like a woman, however you want to take it. My advice to you is just, you know, do do whatever you're asked to do. You know what I mean? Just, you know, keep your ears open. Listen, do a lot of listening, especially to people that have been around for a while and people that can give you good advice. You got people going to give you some bad advice. But if you continue to stay around, you will finally figure out the bad from the good. So. I just want to make sure that you're dedicated. Make this what you want to do because this calls for dedication. This calls for getting up, moving when you may not want to move, but you've got to move because it's all about this business. And if you love it, then you'll do whatever it, you know you got to do to make it work. All right. We just got a couple more minutes here with WWE Hall hey, of Famer I, and current uh, SWE. I wanted to run something, I wanted to run something by you guys, too, you know, uh, you know, before we get going here. I wanted to also mention here in SD, SWE, you know, we got our women's division that's going to be starting. We got a lot of great divas coming in. You know, Malia Hasaka, she's going to be a part of that. Uh, Burke Vixen and uh, La Rosa Negro, you know, those are some of the girls that will be coming in. And also... We're going to be partnering with uh, Thunder Rosa. She, you know, she's the owner of Mission Pro Wrestling, we, so we're going to be using a lot of her talent. So our women's division is certainly going to be kicking off. And for people that don't have your tickets right now, you can go to swfury.com, get your tickets. And let me give a shout-out to uh, Tom Lance, uh, James Beard, uh, uh, Lynn Denton and uh, Bob Malden, you know what I mean? You know, guys that are working behind the scenes and guys that are making this stuff happen. I just want to let them know that I appreciate them and I want to let the fans know too. You know, Rob Malden, one of the greatest announcers of all time. So, Tom, James, Adam, uh, Adam uh, Lynn Denton, these guys work. By, if I missed anybody, I'm sorry, but I still love you. All right. We're looking forward to seeing you here in San Antonio, November 7th, for SWE Fury Tapings. WWE Hall of Famer Teddy Long, thank you so much for joining us tonight on ESPN San Antonio, Down for the Count. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me, and hey, be looking out for my podcast that's going to be coming. It's called Hold On a Minute, player. <laughs> All right. Have a great night. All right. Thank you. Hey, yo, I'm breaking smash and straight with bass. <laughs>
It was great talking to the Mac Militant, Teddy Long, last October here on ESPN San Antonio. This is your very special Christmas edition, regifting some of our favorite interviews from your wrestling show, Down for the Count. I'm Dan Cialana. Keep it right here on 1250 ESPN San Antonio, 94.5 FM, and on the go at ESPNSA.com slash wrestling. Down for the count, your ESPN San Antonio wrestling show. I am Dangerous Dan Cialana without my tag team partner tonight, Brandon Big Poppy Medina. Unfortunately, somebody sprayed arrogance cologne into his eyes, so now he's having vision problems. So thoughts and prayers go out to Brandon Big Poppy Medina as he um, recovers from his eye injury. And maybe he'll have to have a blindfold match with a person who sprayed the arrogance in his eyes as a revenge to kind of get his uh, his justice. So Brandon, we're praying for you and we're all uh, we're all hoping that you recover, <laughs> right? So tonight is our very special Christmas Eve regifting episode. We're bringing you some of our favorite interviews from this year. This was a tough year for everybody including Brandon and I. We had uh well, I'll speak for myself. There was times I wanted to quit this show because I was just so depressed and so everything was so freaky and we had to start working from home and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do it. I, was, I just want to wait till COVID's over, but I'm glad we persevered. I'm glad we got to continue doing our show and I'm very thankful that ESPN San Antonio allowed us to do this show remotely and continues to, uh, but the year wasn't all bad. We got to talk to some wrestlers, got to talk to some great people and this year I was personally very blessed by being able to meet Back in January or early February, I don't remember. It's kind of blurry now. But at the beginning of this year, before all the lockdowns, I got the chance to meet for the first time someone who would become a great friend of the show during 2021. Uh, her name is Thunder Rosa. And of course you know her because you've seen her on AEW TV. Her profile, her stock has gone up in 2020. When we first talked to her uh, back at the beginning of 2020, she was the NWA champion and uh, ever, ever since the moment I met her, I knew that she'd be a good friend and a good friend of the show. So here is our very, very, very first interview with Thunder Rosa from earlier this year. Go, go, Thunder Rosa! Go, go, Thunder Rosa! It is your ESPN San Antonio Wrestling Show, Down for the Count. My name is Dangerous Dan Cialana. My tag team partner, Brandon Big Poppy Medina. He's not here right now. He's in parts unknown. Uh, Hopefully, he'll be able to. I know, for real. Boo, Boo, Brandon. He's a heel. Hopefully, he'll be able to join us later on in the show. But we got somebody very special with us right now. So we got to get to business here. We have the NWA Women's World Champion, Thunder Rosa in studio. How you doing? I am absolutely great. Today, I woke up at 4.30 in the morning. Couldn't, couldn't go to sleep with the news that, unfortunately, I'm not going to make it to Japan. And I already, yeah. and you know the funny part is, I usually pack the day before I have to go. And this time I decided to pack on mon- a Monday. So I had everything You're packed. all ready to go. I was ready to go. You're but you know what? Things happen for a reason. So yeah, you were going to go to Japan for a couple of weeks, right? And you were yeah. going to defend your My Japanese beautiful belt there. International Princess Championship. That's right. Yeah. You were going to defend that. But now those ladies out there... <laughs> Are really lucky because I know you were gonna kick their ass. Oh, absolutely! But you know, coronavirus is kicking people's ass right now in in um, in Asia. So it's it's some serious health problem. It is. 
Thunder Rosa, last month you won that beautiful NWA Women's World Championship. My baby. How? Yeah, she's holding My it right. Baby. She really does carry it around <laughs> like it's her baby. It is. And she, you actually ask people to hold your belt. They you love have, it. I mean, come on, man. Like it's. I mean, I, some people are like, why is the belt so small? It looks so horrible. Guys, you need to go online on Wikipedia and search WA's Women's Championship so you can see where it comes from and where is like the whole um, look of this championship look like. I, it's so historical. For me to like hold it here in front of you, it's 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 like, you know, holding my my Ph.D. from like yeah. one of the most prestigious schools in the uh, in the country because it holds so much history. In general, you know, NWA is well known, not only in the United States, but in the world. And for me to be carrying this everywhere, it's it's because I'm proud. I mean, it's it's it took me, you know, blood, sweat and tears, like literally for the last six years. I have my family has sacrificed so much for me to be here with you today showing this to you. Now, speaking of blood, Thunder Rosa, you're not only just a wrestler, but you're also an MMA fighter. Yes. I got to ask you, in the wrestling world, you can get hurt. It's very physical, but there's only there's a limit of how bad you can get beat up. No, so, like you can get seriously hurt in, in wrestling. Oh, yeah, though. but MMA, though, isn't it even worse? Like, I'm worried about you. Like, uh, you well, don't got to do this. Why are you doing this? Why well, do you like beating people up that much? <laughs> you have that anger, Thunder Rosa. I, you know what? I didn't really have that anger. Like, I... Like all my friends, like all my my training partners were kind of a little concerned because I'm very nice. And they, because I never had an amateur fight before I had my fight. So it was like a little concern of like, is she's going to be able to take a punch? Like, is she's going to have the dog? And I show them like, wrestling has shown me so much about being tough and mentally tough because some of the stuff that we had to do and like sustain, it was very painful, you know, as a wrestler. And being in the cage is just like another like way to like feel liberated and empowered as a woman, you know, especially being older than everybody else that I usually step in there and in, in the cage with, you know, it's 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 amazing. And um, I mean, I'm doing this because, first of all, I signed a contract with Combate Americas for four fights. So contractually, I uh, I have to do this fight. And two, because I feel like uh, it's another different challenge that I it just brings another layer to my my performance and i'm not talking only about in the cage but i'm talking about in the ring like the training the mma training is like no other man like you have to go every single day in order to get better just like you know wrestling training yeah but it's just so much different because there's so many uh, layers of mma you know you got to learn striking you got to learn ground game you got to learn psych there is psychology in fighting is there kayfabe in mma a little not, bit of character going on maybe a little bit uh, i mean i'm now in MMA, I'm Melissa Thunder Rosa Cervantes. Okay. So the element of kayfabe in my character is gone. Like, I think um, I in the last, I will say, six, seven months, I have shown so much about who I really am as Melissa, Melissa and, and what Thunder Rosa means to me, you know. And I continue to show it because of, you know, I think it's, it, it is important for people to know who I am as a woman and as a Latina and as a Mexican-American. Thunder Rosa, it is so cool that you came here to visit us at Down for the Count, ESPN San Antonio. Do you promise you'll come back soon? Uh, dude. If coronavirus doesn't take us all out. <laughs> Don't even say that. <laughs> last words, famous last words. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, I live here in San Antonio. I, I'm, I'm always, I always, if I have a microphone in front of me, I either sing or I start talking. I love, <laughs> I love doing this.
Well, how do we find that calendar, that beautiful calendar? How do we get that? Uh, you can go on thunderrosa.bigcartel.com. I still have calendars there. And the photo book is coming. It's not a calendar. It's just a photo book of uh, different photo shoots that I did in the last three months. I, like I said, I put a lot of effort in my merchandise, and I put a lot of effort on on doing different things that a lot of girls I might not be doing. So um, I think you guys will enjoy this photo book and then probably the calendar next year is going to be so crazy good <laughs> all right thunder rosa thank you very much for joining us thank you and it was great meeting thunder rosa this year that was the first of many interviews that she gave us this year and uh i'm very thankful for that she's been very very uh generous with her time for down for the count and esp in san antonio despite being so busy with AEW and NWA and also Mission Pro Wrestling. So we are very glad to have met Thunder Rosa in 2020. And I'm very glad to have met you this year in 2020. I hope you enjoy the show. I hope you keep following us at DFTC Podcast. And I hope you join us 7 o'clock every Thursday night, unless we get bumped by some kind of sports bar. Sports ball, I should say. Sorry, I started the uh, special eggnog a little early. It is down for the count, your ESPN San Antonio wrestling show. And that's the bottom line, because down for the count said so. 